In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. On this blessed day, which is sanctified by our gathering in the Church and our celebration of the Holy and Divine Liturgy, our Mother, the Holy Church, nourishes us with some pretty harsh words in today's Gospel passage from Matthew chapter 13, verses 13, Matthew 23, verses 13 through 36. These words come from our Lord Jesus Christ's rebuke of the scribes and Pharisees and are presented to us today on the feast of the holy prophet Joel, because this is the usual reading on the feasts of the holy prophets. Even though today is also the commemoration of the holy Theotokos St. Mary, which takes place on the 21st of every Coptic month, it doesn't change today's readings. We still read this passage from Matthew 23, which is the reading for the feasts of the holy prophets. Now, if we were to summarize today's reading in a single word, it would undoubtedly be woe, W-O-E, woe. This word is a type of exclamation that oftentimes expresses sadness, pain, or even a curse in the Old and New Testaments. When our Lord uses the word woe against the scribes and Pharisees in today's gospel reading, he uses it in the sense of sadness and grief. In particular, he, distinct, he directs eight distinct woes against them. He says, woe to the scribe and Pharisees, number one, because they shut the door of the kingdom of heaven to men. Number two, they devour widows' houses and make long and phony prayers. Number three, they travel far to convert people, but end up making them worse hypocrites than themselves. Number four, they ignore the sanctity and holiness of the temple. Number five, they pay their tithes, but ignore justice, mercy, and faith. Number six, they clean the outside of the cup and dish, but are full of extortion and self-indulgence on the inside. Number seven, they are like beautiful whitewashed tombs on the outside, but full of uncleanness on the inside. And finally, number eight, they build the tombs of the holy prophets when in fact they are the ones, they are the sons and the heirs of those who killed the prophets. This last woe, number eight, of course, explains why the church arranges this gospel passage on the feasts of the holy prophets. Now, these eight woes are a frightening list. Imagine our Lord Jesus Christ speaking of you in this way. Not only are these words frightening, but they are a wake-up call to each and every one of us. Most people, when they hear these words, automatically assume that these words have nothing to do with them because our Lord was speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees who opposed him throughout his ministry. But we would be foolish to assume that these words do not also apply to us because the reality is that we sometimes behave like the scribes and the Pharisees. And I want to speak to you today briefly about these eight woes and how they might apply to us, even Christians. In the first woe, our Lord said, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, 
For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Throughout his ministry, our Lord Jesus Christ was constantly opposed by the scribes and Pharisees until they, along with the leaders of the Jews, finally orchestrated his crucifixion. For example, when our Lord manifested great signs and wonders, such as healing the paralytic in Capernaum, casting out demons, and giving sight to the blind, the scribes and Pharisees were there. They were present. But they were there either condemning him in their hearts and thoughts or verbally accusing him of breaking the Sabbath or casting out demons by the prince of the demons. They worked hard to cause the people around our Lord to question him and not to believe in him so that in the end, not only were the scribes and Pharisees not saved, but the people around them who listened to them also likewise perished. Now, how does this relate to us? Most Christians, of course, do not actively preach against Christ as the scribes and the Pharisees did, but there are other ways in which our behavior oftentimes turns people away from Christ. In my experience, one of the primary causes of atheism and unbelief is a Christian who misbehaves. A Christian who misbehaves is a stumbling block and turns many people away from Christ. For example, when the Roman Catholic Church was beset by scandals, many people left the church as they rationalized to themselves, if this is what Christians do, then I don't want to be a Christian. Now, many times, brothers and sisters, we act in such a way that causes people to question our faith and our commitment to Christ. When we fail to be the light of the world, not only in church, but also outside of church in every aspect of our lives, we become stumbling blocks to others and we prevent them from receiving salvation. So even if we are not actively preaching against Christ, like the scribes and the Pharisees did, it is still possible for us as Christians to shut the door of the kingdom of heaven to others by our own sins and our own failures. This is why constant repentance is required. And this is why we should remember that even the smallest positive interaction that we have with others in this world could change their lives. My wife reminds me when she was in college that she would fast and her friends would see her fasting And they would ask, what are you doing? And she explained to them that she was fasting because she was Christian and this is what the church uh, recommended. And she told me that her friends were impacted by this and they grew closer to their churches because of this example. So even the smallest positive interaction we have with others could really change that person's life for the better. And similarly, when we don't behave as Christians in this world, we can push people away from Christ. In the second woe, our Lord said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. 
Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. And similar to the second woe is the fifth woe, in which our Lord said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. I'll speak about these two woes together. The Mosaic law, the law of Moses, showed a special concern for widows. If the breadwinner, if the husband who was supporting the family, if he suddenly died, leaving behind no children, then the law commanded the man's brother to take the widow and to raise up children with her, to have children with her. And these children would be considered the children of the man who died. They would be considered his heirs under the law. And if a man left behind a widow and children, then the law had special provisions to make sure that they had everything they needed. But sadly, by the time of our Lord's incarnation, the scribes and the Pharisees neglected this part of the law and they mistreated the widows. So if a widow ran out of money, instead of helping her and making sure she had everything she needed, the scribes and Pharisees would foreclose on her house and they would seize her property in violation of the Mosaic law. Now, knowing this helps us to more clearly understand the grief and the anxiety of the widow of Nain, whose son our Lord raised from the dead, whose story we are going to hear tomorrow, God willing. Her son was her only form of support. And so if her son passes away, then she would lose everything. And this is one of the reasons why our Lord in his tender mercy had compassion on her, as we're going to hear in tomorrow's gospel reading. Today, of course, we are not bound by the special provisions for widows in the Mosaic law because Christians have a greater duty. We have a duty to care for one another. In the book of Acts, we read how the early Christians did not just pay their tithe to the church, but more than this, they sold everything they had and they laid the proceeds at the apostles' feet so that the apostles could use the money not only for the church, but to support all of the poor and the widows and those who needed help. The early Christians were ready to give up everything they owned so that the apostles could care for the poor, the needy, and the widows, as well as the affairs of the church. And this should be our way of life as well. Giving our possessions shouldn't be something we are forced to do, but rather something we want to do. St. John Chrysostomus teaches us, if one is doing work of virtue, but he does it because he is forced to, then there is no reward. Then there is no reward. He also teaches us that almsgiving or giving to the poor is the characteristic of Christianity and the medicine for our sins. He said, almsgiving is the mother of love, where love is the characteristic of Christianity. It is the medicine of our sins, the cleansing of the filth of our souls, the ladder fixed to heaven. It binds together the body of Christ. 
Unlike the scribes and the Pharisees who had no compassion on the widows, we Christians must be generous and freely give our possessions to the church so that it might be distributed to those who are in need. In the third woe, our Lord said to the scribes and Pharisees, You travel land and sea to win one proselyte. Proselyte is basically a convert, to win a convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. It's worth remembering how after the descent of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost, the apostles spoke to people who came to Jerusalem from 15 different countries. These were people who were not Jews that were born and raised in Israel, but they came from all over the world. And so it seems that the scribes and Pharisees did a good job of converting people to the Jewish faith. But sadly, these people who were converted by the scribes and Pharisees were not taught the correct faith. Instead of being students of the true faith, they became students of the hypocrisy of the scribes and the Pharisees, and they became even worse than them. Now, if we were to apply this third woe to us, it probably wouldn't be because we taught converts the wrong faith. But most likely, this woe would apply to us because we don't try to convert people at all. So in a sense, the scribes and Pharisees who are rebuked in today's gospel are better than us. As I mentioned in a recent homily, we Coptic Orthodox Christians have a serious problem in believing that our churches in America and outside of Egypt exist only to preserve Egyptian culture and to serve Egyptian families, when the reality is that the church exists to win souls and to bring as many people as possible to Christ, whether they are Egyptian or not. This is a problem that affects not only the Coptic Orthodox Church, it affects every Orthodox Church that has a strong culture, the Greek Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church, etc. But thankfully, under the wise leadership of His Eminence, we have parishes like ours, American Coptic Orthodox parishes, which are trying to focus more on our children and youth who have grown up in America And hopefully through your efforts, through each and every one of you being the light of Christ in this world, we will also have converts who come and we share our faith with them and we fulfill our responsibility to bring people to Christ. In the fourth woe, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Woe to you blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Our Lord chastised the scribes and Pharisees because they did not appreciate the sanctity and holiness of the temple. If they swore by the temple, they considered it nothing. But if they swore by the gold that was in the temple, they took it seriously. Our Lord rebuked them and said, Which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? Now today, we Christians, if we are honest, we will apply this woe to ourselves 
because we likewise oftentimes forget the sanctity and holiness of the church. There are certain things that we are supposed to do whenever we enter the church to keep our minds focused on its sanctity and holiness. For example, when we enter, we pause in the narthex. The narthex is that room beyond the doors here. And we are supposed to venerate the icons of the Holy Theotokos, St. Mary and St. Gregory as we light a candle and we offer our prayers. This is before we even set foot in the main part of the church. But sadly, I don't see many people doing this at all. Afterwards, as we enter the church, we make the sign of the cross. And then we are supposed to kneel before the altar. We're supposed to greet God and pray. And if we're embarrassed doing it here, then at the very least, we do it when we come to our benches. But again, I don't see this happening often. There are also psalms that relate to the holiness of the church that we're supposed to pray as we enter the church. These psalms we should have memorized from the time we were young. And this is just how we enter the church. We could say a lot more about what we do when we're inside the church or when the divine liturgy is going on or even how we leave the church. There are special things that we do that remind us of the holiness of the church. The point is that the church is the dwelling place of God. And as such, it is holy. So everything we do or don't do in the church should reflect this holiness. This is why we constantly speak to you about not using your cell phones, about not talking inside the church, about paying attention, about doing all of the things that are common sense for this place, which is the dwelling place of the Lord God. In the sixth woe, our Lord said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, and inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside of them may be clean also. Of course, by the inside of the cup or dish, he is referring to the soul. And by the outside of the cup, he is referring to the body. And similarly, in the seventh woe, our Lord said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We'll take these two woes together. About a year before our Lord uttered these woes, he was invited to have dinner with one of the Pharisees. Our Lord entered the house and he sat down to eat without washing his hands. And the Pharisee noticed this because the Pharisees had created a new custom by which they had to wash their hands before meals as a way of cleansing themselves from pollution and unclean things. The problem is that God never commanded them to do this. And it's not that washing our hands is a bad thing. Today, especially, we understand the importance of washing our hands in the midst of this global COVID-19 pandemic. The problem is that the Pharisees 
created this custom and they associated it with spiritual cleansing. But God made no such connection between the two. St. Cyril of Alexandria asked, Tell us, O Pharisee, where Moses told you this command. Tell us what commandment ordained by God requires men to wash before meals. It was a custom created by the Pharisees, sadly, and it sadly reflected who they really were. They were men who carried about external appearances only. They made themselves look pale from fasting, and they made a show of themselves praying on the streets because they loved the praise of men more than God. St. John Chrysostomus teaches us that their attitude led them away from the faith and caused them to neglect what really is virtue and induced them to busy themselves about bodily purification only, neglecting the purification of the soul. In other words, because the scribes and Pharisees were so busy trying to look holy in front of people, they forgot to actually be holy. And this is a temptation that each and every one of us has as well. This is why our Lord called the scribes and Pharisees blind, not only in today's gospel passage, but elsewhere in the gospel as well. They had no spiritual discernment, and they were concerned only with the praise and honor of men instead of their actual holiness. And again, forgive me for saying it, but this spirit is alive in each and every one of us because we all struggle with pride and vainglory. We all want to show ourselves as being better than we really are. So we focus on appearing holy while oftentimes neglecting repentance and the interior struggle that will actually unite us with God's holiness and make us holy. St. John Chrysostomus noticed the same spirit in his flock when he wrote the following, Many people are like the scribes and Pharisees, adorning themselves on the outside, but full of sin on the inside. Today there are many cares for external purification, but no one cares about internal purification. If anyone would open each person's conscience, many worms and much corruption would be found. Even though these words were written in the 4th century, they are applicable even now. Brothers and sisters, I beg you, I beg you today that you care for your soul and for your inner life just as much as you care for your body. Think about how much time people dedicate to exercising or cooking every single day we should, dedicate, we should dedicate at least the same amount of time, if not more, to our souls by praying, by repenting and examining ourselves, by reading spiritual books, by helping others, and in general, by working out our salvation in fear and trembling. I beg you, brothers and sisters, don't be like the scribes and Pharisees. Work out your salvation and pay attention to your souls. Finally, we come to the eighth woe, which is the whole reason the church gave us today's gospel reading on the feast of the holy prophet Joel. 
It's just your bad luck that this is number eight and you had to listen to the rest of it before. But this is the one that dictates why the church gave us this reading today. Our Lord said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. You know, throughout history, every civilization has done something to honor the graves of its heroes. And similarly, the scribes and the Pharisees, they made a show of honoring the tombs of the prophets. But at the same time, they plotted to kill our Lord Jesus Christ who sent them those prophets in the first place. He told them, Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. St. Cyril of Alexandria teaches us that the ancestors of the scribes and Pharisees had been the ones who put to death the holy prophets. But the scribes and Pharisees built these ornate temples for these same prophets. And in this way, the scribes and Pharisees condemned their own ancestors for killing the prophets. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, that by their actions they condemned their ancestors, we remember that they themselves were about to crucify the Lord of glory, our Lord Jesus Christ. So you begin to see how twisted their behavior was, right? And if that's not enough, it's worthwhile to remember that these same scribes and Pharisees would go on to later murder the holy archdeacon Stephen, the first martyr, just because he believed in Christ and preached to them. They stoned him for that. So look at their behavior. They build these tombs for the righteous men, but they crucify the Lord of glory, and then they put to death his disciples. So this is the twisted logic of the scribes and Pharisees and why our Lord said woe to them in today's gospel. Now, if we were to apply this woe to ourselves, it wouldn't be for the extreme and violent behavior of the scribes and Pharisees, but maybe we could draw a parallel nonetheless. The scribes and Pharisees made a show of caring for the tombs of the prophets while rejecting Christ. And similarly, one of the temptations that affects Orthodox Christians is to become too focused on things like the relics of the saints, holy men and women, and miracles. There are people who chase after these things, and they focus so much on these things while at the same time having a weak relationship with Christ. The relics of the saints and the presence of holy men and women and miracles are great blessings indeed. But sometimes people forget that all of these things ultimately exist to point us to Christ, to connect us to Christ. 
And this is why throughout history, sometimes people have accused us of being too focused on these external things and not having that strong relationship with Christ. But we Orthodox Christians should not be extreme on either end. We are not like the people who say it is wrong to venerate the relics of the saints or we have to treat everyone the same and not believe that there are holy men and women among us. We're not like them. But at the same time, we're not like the people on the other extreme who chase after these things while having no relationship with Christ. The middle road, as Ava Antony said, is the road that saves. So yes, we venerate the relics. Yes, we learn from holy men and women. Yes, we are touched and grow in our faith when we see miracles. But at the same time, all of these things lead us to Christ. They lead us to repentance. That is the most important thing. So brothers and sisters, today, as we hear these eight woes that our Lord addressed to the scribes and Pharisees, let us not assume that these words are not for us that we have nothing to learn from them. Instead, if we are sincere, if we are humble, then we will apply each and every one of these to ourselves and make sure that we don't fall into the same traps so that we we can continue our struggle and our journey to the eternal kingdom of heaven. And glory be to God forever. Amen.